well, almost 24 hours after India won the inaugural ICC Under-19 Women's T20 World Cup, we've put quite the panel together to discuss the impact of that World Cup on the women's game, the path ahead for the women's game. So I'm delighted to welcome Lydia Greenway, who knows all about winning World Cups. Didn't have a WPL at her time, she would have loved one. Uh, Marina Iqbal is here as well as we discuss uh, what uh, uh, systems in our part of the world can do at uh, the age level in the aftermath of the first World Cup. And Val Baines and Sambit Bal, my two dear colleagues from uh, London and Mumbai while I sit in Johannesburg. So it's a global discussion for the women's game. It's a very warm welcome to everyone. Let's just start with what we think is likely uh, to be the roadmap for women's cricket in the aftermath of India winning a World Cup, which is always significant for global cricket and with the WPL coming in mind. Uh, Lydia, the result of this World Cup, how do you see it impacting women's cricket going forward? I think it's going to have a massive impact, to be honest. Um, I think you only have to look at the interest that the tournament itself created um, and the the brilliant positivity on the so on social media um, and reaction to the players and the teams involved. And so I think in terms of when you talk about impact, my hope is that for countries who maybe haven't got established domestic structures at the moment, uh, the key decision makers will be just starting to get the cogs turning in terms of, okay, well, India are having a women's Premier League soon. England have got a domestic structure. Those are the two teams who made the final. So actually, if we start investing at domestic level, then maybe that's where we can get. Um, so yeah, more than anything, I just hope it creates thought and hopefully a bit of proactivity for, for all the, the teams involved. Yeah, Sambit, the word interest is important here, right? Because when there is interest in a Women's World Cup, invariably it coincides with India. That's a reality of just how the sport is. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, ultimately, you can say that all the money that is made in sport is, you know, you can talk about the Indian cricket board, you can talk about the broadcasters, you can talk about cricketers, but it comes down to finally the Indian fans. And the Indian fans who make uh, world cricket what it is today, you know, let's, there's no two ways about it. So for this to become, uh, for women's cricket to really take off, uh, there are lots of, lots of little things that have happened, lots of uh, breakthroughs that have happened in the last, uh, say, 10 years, I would say. You know, I was, when India made that World Cup final or the last World Cup final in Melbourne. Massive, massive. Those are those are all sort of breakthrough moments. But I think two things have come together here. We, we know that what happens when India win a World Cup, 1983, 2007. Uh, so those, those were signal moments in our sport. These two things that are coming, that has, one has come and the other is coming, uh, I think will change. Uh, I, I'm pretty optimistic about uh, women's sports getting an explosive uh, momentum with this, uh, you know, India winning this on the night in World Cup, uh, which will create interest. Because ult ultimately, uh, for a sport to flourish, there are two things that you need. One, that it needs needs to have some sort of emotional investment from fans. Uh, yeah. That, uh, you know, and Indian fans need to get behind a sport for it to prosper. The second thing is that it needs to become a spectacle. Ultimately, it needs to be a spectacle sports where spectators are interested. I, I think these two things, for these two things to happen, uh, the WPL would be massive. Uh, I know I, I, I sort of, I, I read on Info and we always talk about global cricket and as we should, but we know how critical India is in this. 
and yeah. Indian fans. So let's try and sort of identify two aspects going forward. One, keeping the WPL potentially, even the women's PSL, if it takes off this year in mind and what this could do for uh, women's cricket. But the other is the age structure and the managing of systems at the ground grassroots level, which has to be had almost in parallel because we want quality women's cricket to continue. If somebody talks about a spectacle marina, now England and Pakistan almost seem like they are between them lies everybody else in terms of the standard of uh, uh, systems and in place for women's cricket. Uh, tell me a little more about what you see age group cricket becoming or what should it become, especially with the limitations that it uh, currently has in our part of the world. More in Pakistan, India still have a bit of a system, but there's still a long way to go. Yeah, well, I think this is exactly what Pakistan needed to have an under-19 World Cup because we've been talking about it when I started playing. There was no pathway whatsoever, no infrastructure. And probably for last 17 years, things were just working out. People in the management were laid back that, okay, girls are coming in. It doesn't matter from where, wherever they're coming. It doesn't matter what the background is. They were happy with the sort of 20, 30 pool players how they were just contributing and taking, I mean, participating in the world events. But now they know that under-19 World Cup is there. It's out there and you need to have a certain standard for it. So I think this is exactly what we needed because we have been critical about how important it is to have a pathway, proper pathway. It's not just about having a domestic and picking the players and just putting them straight away into the international cricket. It's not fair for them. When you want to talk about professional cr cricket, when you want to talk about how things have worked for like, when you talk about the domestic structure for England, Australia, even India now, this is the proper pathway to have. And now with this under 19, I think it's mand mandatory for the thinking tanks that, okay, we need to have a proper pathway from probably under 16, going into under 18, under 19, and they need to set a, a certain level. It's not just about picking some school girls and sending them into the World Cups. It's not now, it's not how it will go on. So I think especially for Pakistan, even for if you talk about uh, if I talk about the Pakistan team, I know that they only had like six or seven months of preparation and they had done decently well. I wasn't expecting them to do this good, but just imagine how would they have done if they had a proper pathway from under 16 going on forward. They would have made a massive uh, impact. But I think now we talk a lot about uh, how the management is very laid back and it's not taking women cricket seriously till yet. But I think with all these thoughts coming in, with India playing, and especially I, I'm really happy with how things have worked out for Shefali Varma because these are the sort of opportunities you want to make most of it. You want to identify your players, not just for under-19s, but looking down the path like for the next four or five years, potential captains, potential openers. That is where the struggle for Pakistan team has been. And the missing link is this age group. So I think it's a brilliant thing and I'll be really happy when now Pakistan needs final uh, nail in the coffin for them. They have to think along these lines. So. Management is very proactive on social media though, Marina, your management, I must say. Yeah, they're, they're, just, they're just active on social media. I'm really unfortunate. Okay. I was looking forward for uh, women's PSL, but now it's again a step back. When you're talking yeah. about pathways and age groups, I think what's what's really, really important and that's that's beginning to happen is that a lot of girls started playing in India, particularly I, I know I know of India more than any other country in that sense. You know, it was it was never seen as a profession. It was not, you know, parents indulge their children that hey, go and go and play and let's see how good you are. But 
with suddenly 55 particularly in now now india needs 55 players indian players makes that suddenly makes it a fairly attractive uh, career option and i'm not saying it's career option like any other it's still not a career option like any other where there are only 55 jobs but it's still a much bigger career option and and we've seen what happened with ipl yeah well i think too if you talk, sort of talk about uh, pathway and opportunities we've seen even today and it, it's sort of coincidental because they're both in the same place but west indies have just called up four under 19 players as cover for their senior squad playing a tri nations series also in south africa in preparation for the senior world cup so the fact that they were there i mean a couple of them i think um janaba joseph and um she played in the series against england recently so she you know she was on the radar and also um trishan and holder played for barbados in the commonwealth games but they've had these girls there performing for the under 19s they've been able to bring them across as you know as as cover or whatever but they're now in and around that senior squad and getting that exposure and that experience and i remember when west indies lost um the post covid uh series that was sort of rushed through in england they they lost that t20 series 5-0 when they were able to play again and um courtney walsh came in as head coach in the immediate aftermath after that and he said what i want to see to turn this around is more cricket being played at domestic level in the caribbean and failing that we're going to go around and do talent spotting travel you know do co- coaching clinics and just sort of see what sort of a pool we can get together and create that pathway and i think at the other end of that now we're seeing those girls get that opportunity off the back of this under 19 world cup hmm. uh, with the wpl coming up now there will be we'd like to think well certainly more money in the women's game for players we've seen what it's done to the men's I don't know Lydia at what point there'll be an interest for the under 19s it may it may not be this year we'll have a lot of uh, with just the five teams there might be more interest in the senior players but there is going to be an injection of a lot of money what do you think uh, needs to be kept in mind from the game from players to make sure that you know money is that a either development at a young level is not compromised and you know the lessons that we might have seen from how the men's game was managed it's almost like we're getting to start afresh now with the women's game having seen what's happened to the men's game anti 20 cricket in the last 10 15 years yeah i mean it's it's a lot of things need to be considered i think when you talk about the investment and how it's used and i think interesting actually just on vows point i think what we've seen in england um historically we invested very heavily at the top of our game and so we made our best england players professional um and that was great but it was own it only brought success in the short term um because we didn't think about okay well how are we going to develop the players underneath that um and so what we saw is as an example actually tash farrant who people might be familiar with um she was in the england squad and she lost her england central contract um and was very quickly left on her own to think about okay do i need to i'm going to have to get a job and earn some money but i still want to play for england so the good thing now and i think this is a consideration when it comes to the domestic development um is you have to make you have to create opportunities domestically where young female players can see a genuine career um 
because if they don't, then the pool of players that you can pick from will be much, much smaller. Um, and I guess when it comes to money, I don't know, um, you know, what if you're alluding to players picking between playing for their country or playing domestically, because obviously that's an issue that the men's game has at the moment. I don't think the women's game is quite there yet. Um, but it will be interesting, you know, with the Women's Premier League. It's fantastic. The contract amounts are, you know, I'm, I didn't think I would see something like that in, in my lifetime. But I think your point perhaps is, well, how then will other governing bodies manage their, their yeah. international players? Because suddenly they're getting paid perhaps a, a lot more than what players are ever getting paid at international level. And, and that's a tough that's a tough thing to to be able to manage, I think. Marina? Yeah, I, I totally agree with Lydia. I mean, when I certainly look at my own structure, uh, I but I feel when I started cricket, there were like, there was a proper pathway domestic. There were almost a pool of 70, 80 girls back at, when I'm talking about 200, uh, 2005 and seven around that. But now I'm struggling to find even 50 girls who want to take cricket as a career. And rightly so, it has a lot to do with how things have been working in Pakistan because there, there are no contracts, there are no domestic team, no regional team whatsoever. The departments were shut down by the previous government. And I think around about 1,000 cricketers were just left unemployed. And we all know that if you want to play cricket professionally, it, there's very little line where you can really get serious about studies. So that had impacted a lot and it probably took Pakistan cricket back 10 years at least. But now with all this coming, especially with under 19, the exposure they're getting and with talks about women PSL going on, and now they do understand, even the parents do understand that, okay, this is a professional game. If you want to take it, there is a right age where you can start, get in there. But yes, I do, I do have some concern about, like Lydia said, about the priorities to play for your country and just to focus on the leagues, just for the sake of getting a financial, you know, uh, probably a more settled deal for it. But I think uh, there, is a, there is a cushion where you can press players for certain time of amount, but that decision has to be oh. let with them. You cannot force anyone to play for your country. But overall, when you look at the big picture, I think these sort of things happening, the leagues, the, the obviously the women IPL coming in, these are the right source and the right directions where women cricket globally should be going on with fair break as well. It has done a lot. It has provided a lot of opportunities and it has given a clear image now to whoever wants to take uh, cricket as profession, whoever the girls are coming in now. So when I was, when I was talking about cricket, cricket uh, becoming a, this, uh, women's cricket becoming a spectacle, what do you need? What, what do you need is players to be more ready. They need to be more prepared. They need to be fitter. They need to be stronger. And they need game, game awareness. And for that, what I'm excited about is that there will be more game time. They will be with wherever they play. It doesn't matter wherever they play. They play in Fairbreak or they play in WPL or uh, WBBL or the 100. It's just that I think women's cricket need, uh, needs five more years to develop fully. And for that, all, all amount of game time and game time in, in, with competitive game time with with you know wpl will get uh, a lot of uh, international players together like like we have seen in the hundred you know when jemima rodriguez went there and she became a better player for it uh, so i mean i mean we already know that uh, the 
paradigm in in the world game has changed you know we sort of you know we all old people like me we want to hold on to bilateral cricket test cricket that's what i really look forward to but that's not the way the way world uh, world sees cricket fans don't see cricket like that fans uh, and and it's good for the women's game that the 2020 is perhaps the main form of the game in in, in women's cricket now tests is is very very niche uh, and even odis are going to become more and more niche and the uh, uh, growth will come from 2020 cricket and wherever it is i, I don't for me it doesn't really matter where it is played as long as players are playing more and more players are playing and if there's a pool of 300 players in in the world game uh that'll be great You, I guess you, also... you can see in the. I'm just going to sort of follow up on Sambit's point. You've seen in the hundred. You sort of ask any of the up and coming players. You know what in the women's game this is. Um, what that hundred tournament has meant for them, and it's just been that exposure, and they're getting used to playing in front of the big crowds and all of that. And they all, to a player, cite that as being really helpful when it comes to. their performance and their international performance and you, you know you've got to think that the WPL is going to provide that for for more girls again and and you know going forward that's going to stand them in good stead yeah lydia there's there's also and marina as well that there's also perhaps a, a correlation now between money coming into the women's cricket game for players incentivizing them to want to play a WPL every year and therefore get fitter themselves get stronger themselves because the spectacle sambit talks about we want to see that we want to see we we don't eventually want to see a league which the quality seems to be diluted uh we want to see more alisa healys of the world more batters hitting big sixes that eventually is what brings crowds in and makes women's cricket a spectacle do you see that happening faster now as a result of the the, the wpl yeah so i guess do you mean i guess regardless of the resources that some players might have they will take it upon themselves to get themselves fit to train you know when they can and get better players and yeah absolutely what i really like about the women's premier league is the fact that there's slots for associate um nation players which i think is just so important um we saw at the only this world cup you know they have we have people like Giselle Shimwi um Henrietta Shimwi from uh, Rwanda and they won games for for Rwanda and so you just hope that absolutely that the introduction of the WPL um, will inspire and motivate players who ne- might not necessarily have the resources um to do it off their own back and or it might encourage the governing bodies and the boards to think well actually let's try and give our players a better opportunity to be part of these leagues um and i completely agree with the point that was made about the girls the women need more cricket they need need more competitive cricket and i think a good example of that actually was um for a, a number of years india had had only ever had close games in world cup finals and so now you would hope that the women's premier league will create close games for those players so that they're not just experiencing it when it really counts um you know that's not just india as an example i think new zealand's a good example as as well they've often made semi-finals and finals and they've been the closest games of cricket that they had experienced up until that point um so yeah absolutely the, the domestic structures um should be responsible for creating competitive cricket and marina's point as well you don't want to 
expose players at, at the international level. Um, and I think that's fair. Yeah, every time we discuss this WPL thing, I feel bad, Marina, because again, it'll just be more Pakistani players talented as they may be, who may or may not even feature in it. But no, to come back to the point of what we need to do to make this a spectacle, increase the quality. And the quicker that happens, the better, I guess. More power hitting, more strength in the women's game, make it a spectacle. Well, definitely that's where the game is going. But uh, I think with leagues and uh, sort of like what 100 has done, I was having a chat with Lydia that it actually clarified a lot of batters and as well as bowlers as what scenarios they can face at international cricket. And it actually helped them to come up with a plan, execute well, you know, polish their skills as well. But I think there has to be a balance when we talk about T20 cricket. I'm a firm advocate of test cricket as well. You need to have your basics right. Then you can build up on it. And as a player, when I look at the T20 ones, if you even look at uh, globally, the ones who are technically sound have more chances of scoring more runs more often. So I believe test cricket shouldn't be taken away. That has an important impact on players' development. It's called a test for a reason. And I think that the under-19, under-18 bunch, they should be playing more two-day cricket or four-day cricket just to help them build a solid foundation where they can extend themselves into T20 games and can actually focus more on developing shots uh, and skill set rather than just focusing on how to get the basics right. But I think with leagues coming in, they provide a whole different avenue of different skill set. It doesn't matter what player you are. You're an opener, you're a baller, you're a spinner, you're a fast baller. Uh, I think that actually helps you to filter down very quickly your set of skills and builds confidence as well. And individually, this actually helps when player comes into a difficult scenario and she or he needs to understand how to adapt very quickly. So these are the leagues are the actual filter where you can obviously put players uh, in a different scenarios and they can actually come up and play for your country and can perform really well. Should we even care about test cricket? Like, you know, we, we, we said about the men's game, should we even say for the women's game who barely play any real quantity of test cricket, should that even be a concern now? But Marina has brought it up. So now let's throw it open there. You know, all in agreement, disagreement, Val. Yeah. That was exactly the point I was going to jump on. And thank you for raising it, Marina. But um, when prior to this Under-19s World Cup, um, the ICC had a press conference and they were talking about growth of the women's game and, one of the things I talked about was almost learning from the mistakes of the men's scheduling and not allowing it to get to a point where these franchise leagues, which are you know crucial to the develop, development of the women's game, start affecting international tournaments and players having to make that choice. And um, I think Jeff Allardyce made the point that the little bit of leeway they do have in the women's game is the fact that they play fewer tests. tests. Yeah eating up time in the men's game and what have you. And that did worry me because I thought that does not sound good for the prospect of women's tests. And, you know, to hear you say that it provides that, you know, crucial foundation. And you talk to a lot of players who have been able to play and play tests and do enjoy it, saying, you know, how great it is and being real advocates of it. So, yeah, it did concern me when they were sort of talking about this is, we're going to make sure that there's not these scheduling clashes, but it did sound like, you know, test you know cricket what? might you know be provide the, the whole there. Lydia, Lydia and Marina know this. We had a set of questionnaires from every player, every team on a number of things. So we get to know them better for comms. And one question was your preferred format. And I can't remember 
too many people yeah. saying anything but T20, you know. So my question to Lydia was, who works with a lot of these teams, she, she mentored the Irish and the England teams at this World Cup is, is it really something that the modern player or the next generation of player, the future of the women's game, cares about? Maybe they don't care about playing test cricket and we, can we still have quality T20 players like Marina says? I'd like to see myself as a sports romantic and I'm, that person wants... Yeah, but, but, but the people that are going to play I'm the game... Also, somewhere. I'm also... I, I, I'm saying that I'm also a realist. I can see yeah, what's happening. Saying, regardless of what you and me want, the interesting thing is if hmm. about 240 players that played in this under-19 World Cup, they are effectively the future of cricket or def, by definition and about 235 of them, if not 240, said we would love T20. <laughs> Lydia? Yeah, I mean, I, I think... And again, I can only refer to the people that I've spoken to and a lot of the England players um, and some New Zealand players and Australian players um, are keen for more test cricket. Um, but the you're younger right. Ones the, uh, younger it's, ones are the ones that are already playing. You're talking about the younger ones um, or the established uh, ones? So, yeah, people like Heather Knight, um, yeah. you know, Catherine Brandt, they they really enjoy the challenge of test cricket. Um but I, I'm a bit of an outlier because I don't think it's the way to go with the women's game. Um, I agree with Marina in domestic level, maybe trying to have some two-day um, games to develop the foundations. Uh, but I think my worry is if test cricket became a priority for the women's game at international level, it will dilute and take away attention in the development of the white ball game, which... Some countries haven't even got a white ball domestic structure. So my worry would be suddenly we're thinking about red ball cricket when actually countries that we need to have better white ball structures haven't even got there yet. Um, so that's my worry of test cricket becoming a priority in the women's game. Um, but yeah, generally, I think the youngsters just love the T20. Um, but... They have to get their foundations right. And that's where I agree with Marina. You have There's a middle ground, I think, in terms of the development of, of the players. I wonder what the answer is then. Is it playing a little bit more red ball domestically? But then how do you do that without sacrificing the development of the, the white ball game domestically to then produce the T20 international players? Yeah, I mean, I, if, I, if I was in charge, which I never will be, um, I would just say, look, <laughs> just focus on getting the white ball structures in place first, like a pyramid, just get that right first. And then I see test cricket in the women's game as a luxury more than anything else. Um, because, yeah, it's obviously the purest oh, yeah. format of the game and we all love it. But um, I think we have to be realistic. That's no, just I my, my personal I completely, view. I completely agree. I completely agree. I mean, but there would be players who come through and become better at other formats. Like we've had David Warner. We've had Ashwin who started, you know, in T20 essentially. Uh, we have Washington Sundar who is now playing in all three formats. There will be some players who will uh, kind of transcend or their sort of white ball learnings and become better red ball players. But I don't really see a future for red ball uh, cricket in, in the women's game if you really want to make it grow. Marina, anything else to add? No, I, I do understand. But again, as I said, that there has to be a middle ground, like Lydia said, and I want to focus the build foundation building, especially under 19, under 18, under 16 level. That's where you need to start with your girls uh, and they need to understand they have to have a solid foundation. Obviously, with the modern game, the way the game is going on, they will 
it's very easy to get carried but, away with marina for the foundation to foundation to build what that's what we have to ask what's the end goal do, is the do they need the foundation to become uh bat for a day or a 80 overs or they need to bat for four overs or five Look, for me test cricket actually lets you understand what your strengths and weaknesses are and then that is the foundation you need to set a set certain bar there that okay as a bowler this is what i have and now for the international cricket for the t20 game as well i need to develop certain skill but you need to have a certain line where you understand yourself as a player and i think that actually helps the test cricket or the two-day cricket actually helps you understand yourself as a player. Uh, obviously, it helps you develop mentally as well. It's obviously you need to back yourself for a longer period of time. So I think, again, I'm saying about how to start uh, with the under 19 or under 18, under 16 players. That's the basic line. They need to understand that, okay, this is what I have. Now I can build up on it. And again, I think I feel that you don't have to be, there will be ridiculous players who will come out and bat like, like mad people and they'll score 100 or 35 deliveries, there will be some sort of players who are especially gifted. But again, I think who has a diff who has a basic right, who have a good foundation, have more chance to score more oftenly. And even as terms of the ballers, they have more chance to take wickets more often than others who have a very solid foundation and basics right. And even at under 19 level, I was very impressed I saw them scoring runs. I saw them with the intent, but majority of them were so technically sound that it was effortless for them to go after ballers in any condition. Right. Mm. Interesting. Like I said, uh, most of these girls who will be your premier cricketers in 10, 15 years may not even want to play. So we'll see <laughs> the, the balance will be struck. <laughs> Quickly, a couple of things that I want to discuss before we wrap it up. One is just... Um, commenting on what the schedule is likely to be for the next two years and whether you're happy with it or whether you'd like to see anything different. We know there'll be a Women's Premier League. We now know there'll be an under-19 Women's T20 World Cup or uh, I wonder if it'll become a 50-over World Cup like the men's do, depending on you know which World Cup is uh, coming at the senior level. So what are the things that we'd like to... Would we like to see any more multi-nation tournaments? Uh, would we like to see more bilaterals? Would we like to almost hold off on that and let there be enough breathing room for more franchise cricket? Let's say the WPL becomes bigger and has more games in years to come. Lydia? Yeah, I mean, I think I worry about the length of some tournaments. Um, I think what we've seen um, in some of the men's competitions is that so the Big Bash, for example, um, they extended it gradually over time and interest arguably wavered. And then they've gone back to making it shorter, I think not next season, but maybe the season after. And so I think my my sort of hope is that, yes, have the WPL, but try not to get greedy isn't the right word, but try not to think, oh, OK, well, it's been such a good success let's make it longer because I think the sh if it is shorter then that's the success of it as well because you get to have the best players coming in and and they will then be able to go off and play in the other competitions um I suppose the challenge comes when more start popping up as well and that's I think obviously all of us are aware of what can happen there but I suppose on the flip side of that for the women's game if that was to happen, it would only create more opportunities for other players. So if the best players in the world can't go and play in certain tournaments, then actually that's not necessarily a bad thing because it's more playing opportunities for others who might not have it 
domestically, if that makes sense. Marina? Well, if I talk about under 19 specifically, this was just the starting point. I mean, I was having a word with Pakistani players and I said that what is what do you have actually picked up from this tournament? And they said they've realized that where they stand and where the rest of the world is. So it's just a starting point where players will go back and understand what they need to do uh, in terms of their attitude and their fitness, their set of skills. And I think, obviously, I, I, I do agree if you want to develop a player, if you want to give your players a chance, bilateral series is the best way to go about. But obviously, with the leagues coming in as well, it also gives you a lot of exposure and opportunities to understand different scenarios. And when you're sharing uh, the dressing room with the greats of the team or great of the game, I think it actually helps a lot to understand very quickly where you stand. But I think the way things have panned out, uh, I would like to see more uh, bilateral series within uh, the under-19 group. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm all up for the leagues coming in and uh, with, especially with under-19 World Cup again next year. I think there is a lot of... Uh, lot of aspects to think about especially for the boards coming in and i think domestically now they'll be more active as well i think needless to say marina also the wpsl needs to take off <laughs> well it should have taken off in this uh, PSL, <laughs> but uh, nonetheless we've got three exhibition matches, and we have to make most of it to really convince the new board that there is a chance and there is need now pakistan is falling behind and there is a need now for uh, obviously Pakistani players to share the dressing rooms. And I am a huge uh, advocate of, you know, just having a chat with the, the greats of the player. I, I remember when I was visiting England, Lydia would relate that, that whenever Pakistan just finished the match, we would walk into their dressing room and eat their brains out. So, mm -hmm. yeah, I think this is the best opportunity uh, for Pakistani players. You know where they stand. They do understand they've got potential. But these are still little pieces missing from the puzzle when you look at a whole picture. Hmm. Right. Uh, awesome. Any last questions? Val, Sambit? Um, I just wonder, sort of speaking about um, test cricket and then, you know, the potential explosion of T20 franchise leagues and what have you, are we going to be having the same discussion as the managers starting to now about one day cricket and it being too long in the women's game as well? Hmm. I mean, I yeah. guess if you're playing, if you're playing bilateral series, you can do both sort of three and three or three and five. But I wonder, and you know, <sighs> you guys have been on the at the coalface speaking to the future of the game, and um, if T20 is the way to go, are, are we going to sort of uh, yeah be be having that discussion about one day is in in a little while? Oh, yeah. you're cutting all formats too quickly, aren't you? <laughs> 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 it, it might be it might be that um the 50 over the, the odis is where the as marina's been talking about the foundations of the skills that's probably the learning ground for it i suppose um because test cricket isn't as prominent in the women's game so maybe that's where we see the development in terms of younger players playing more 50 over cricket um, but yeah, I suppose it would be a nice problem to have if there's too much of a busy schedule in the women's game. That would be great. <laughs> Bring it on. I actually, I actually think that there should be, you know, uh, Ramiz had a had a really good idea about, you know, what? I, what I, is... I think, I think, I think bilateral cricket is uh, becoming more and more boring, particularly in the white ball bilateral cricket. It has no meaning. It has, you know, it just comes and goes. You, have, you know, you just don't remember anything. 
I think there should be more multilateral cricket in an in international game. There should be more instead of trying to, you know, that's why I think ICC could play a role or the boards if they were really future looking and are not always thinking about their own sort of uh, broadcast deals. They would think about uh, creating more sort of ICC can have almost have a tournament every year for, for women. And there could be several multilateral tournaments. There could be Asia Cups. There could be, you know, there used to be, you know, remember the Australasia Cup? There was a time, I don't know, you, all of you are too young to remember all this. There was something <laughs> called the Australasia Cup. <laughs> there was a famous Australasia Cup where I think Tendulkar hit that, uh, you know, those centuries in Sharjah. Uh, so that actually, that creates more interest. There's more narrative, there's more context. And then when... Multi-nation was... tournaments, yeah. yeah. More multi-nation yeah. tournaments. More multi multi-nation tournaments, you know. Maybe four nations or, you know, why I suppose uh, teams can find, boards can find windows to play this. I think that'll be yeah, better. I mean, than, I mean the under-19s like in India had a tri-nation series before the yeah, World yeah. Cup. They West Indies year, they had Sri Lanka year. So that oh. was the first bit of triangular under-19 cricket in the women's game we've seen in India yeah. uh, ahead of this World Cup. But, yeah. Uh, interesting. So I think the chat on the women's ODI game will be. I, I think until you find a team ready to beat Meg Lanning's Australia, just suspend ODI cricket anyway. <laughs> yeah. That is the point. Right? T20 at least there's a chance somebody will upset them on a on a bad day. But anyway, and yeah, uh, I think this has been a great chat. So it's a big thank you to Val, to Sambit, and of course more uh, to Marina and Lydia for their time and their thoughts. The one thing I will end with though is when the leagues took off several years later. There was a great appetite for retired players to also play leagues. So, Marina, Lydia, <laughs> the, the, the women's equivalent of the retired players' leagues may very well launch soon. And I hope that you still, I, still already, I already have pressure to make a comeback in Pakistan team, seniors. Why? <laughs> Need oh, wow. Making news here. Yeah. <laughs> All right, uh, but this is the real pleasure. So thank you so much, Lydia, and thanks, Marina. Thank and you, thanks guys. For